0: Have you ever overextended yourself physically, emotionally, maybe financially? Have you ever asked yourself, how did I ever get into this, this mess? And quite simply, the, the answer is so simple. We get into this mess when we try to live our lives outside of God's plan. When we try, to, when we try and ignore His will. When, when we refuse to live out by the standards pointed, pointed to, out to us in the Word of God. When we do these things, we're headed for trouble, and we put God's patience to the test. Probably no one illustrates this more than anyone than Jonah. The book of Jonah is a story is not a story about a whale, but it's a book about a man named Jonah who ran from God, and then we find him running back to God. There are, there are many stages that you and I will go through when we, when we mess up in life. And, and the reality is we all mess up in life once in a while. Often, often that happens and it doesn't happen overnight, right? It doesn't just, just happen suddenly like we wake up and, and things in our life are, are, are a complete mess. There's a series of events that take place in order for us to get there. And, and we kind of go through the stage, those different stages to get there. And, and today we're going to look at some of those things um, that Jonah went through. And stage one is God's call. God said uh, to Jonah, I've, I've got a job for you, for you to do. And starting in, in Jonah 1.1, if you have your Bibles with you, you guys can open up there. Jonah 1.1, it says this, The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come Come up before me. God says, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. I've got, I've got some things I need you to do there. This, it's, it, Nineveh, it's, it's a wicked city, and, and I need you to preach there, and you're going to preach that they're going to repent. God's call to Jonah is no different than God's call to us. God tells, God tells us sometimes I have a job. I've got a plan for you in your life. I have a purpose um, that I want you to go and do. I have a purpose and a plan for you. Our job in life is not to, not, to, not to be in life and just take up space. We're not here just to do those things. God has a specific plan for each and every one of us. God says, Jonah, here's your task. I want you, uh, my, my prophet, I want you to go to Nineveh. What was Nineveh? Back in Jonah's day, Nineveh was the capital of Assyrian Empire, which is modern-day Iraq. It is, it, is, it is as far back as you could go back then in the eastern known world. Nineveh was the largest, wealthiest, most powerful, and in most influential city at that time. We're told that over a half a million people lived in Nineveh. And, and um, you could go across the, the, across the city, was like 30 miles God said, uh, you know what? I don't like what's going on over there. Those people, they're far from me. And I'm, and I'm sending you, Jonah, one of my prophets, to go to, the, to go to Nineveh and tell the people to repent. And just so everyone knows, God knows what's going on everywhere. God knows what's going on in this world, in this country. He knows what's happening in our city. God knows what's going on in this church. He knows what's going on in your life, and He knows what's going on in my life. And, and God said, Jonah, I've got a job for you to do, but you know, but you know when, when God gave Jonah a task, when he gives all of us a task, every one of us has a choice, don't we? It's called free will. We can either accept God's, God's plan for our life or we can ignore it. God's... God's, God's um, We can ignore God's will, but if we do what we're going to get, we're going to go. If we ignore God's call in our life, we're going to go get ourselves into more trouble, won't we? And we're going to get ourselves into a bigger mess if we ignore that call. And and that leads to stage two was was Jonah's disobedience Uh, in Jonah one three as we we were reading along. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for, for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. God says, Jonah, here's the plan I have for you. And Jonah says, no thanks. I'm busy. I've got things to do. I, I, I'll see you later, God. And he goes the other way. Jonah had other plans. He wanted nothing to do with God's plan. You see, when we go against what God wants us to do, it's called, it's called disobedience. Jonah ran from God. Instead of doing what God asked him to do, Jonah went to Joppa. Joppa is a seaport along the Mediterranean Sea. Um, It's uh, right next to um, modern-day Tel Aviv. We talked about that in Sunday school this morning. Um, Instead of going to Nineveh, though, he went to Joppa. And he bought a ticket from one of those nice Mediterranean cruises they have over there. um, And he headed for Tarshish. Tarshish was a seaport on the edge of Spain. It was, far, it was as far as the known world was to the west. Do you see what's happening? Jonah went the complete opposite way that, that God, were from God wanted him to go. The truth is, you and I run from God all the time. We just do it a little bit differently. Sometimes we say, God, I don't have time for you. And we put things off. We use our family in place of God oftentimes. We use our hobbies we use our careers, we use the we use computer, we use TV, we use, we use movies, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you name it. If, you're, if we're not careful, we can get involved in so many other things. And that we say, you know what, I'm sorry God, I'm, I'm just too busy, I don't have time for you. And so in our own way, we too run from God. We just, we just try to forget Him and we, we run like Jonah did. We watch movies, and we listen to music, and, and we gossip to our friends, and we do things we know we're not supposed to, and we're running from God. You can try and forget God, but the truth is God will never forget you. Isn't that good news? And when, and when you run from God sooner or later, you're going to get into trouble. Sometimes it's, it's immediate, and sometimes it's delayed, but you can count on it. Trouble is going, is going to show up sooner or later if you run from God, which leads us to the next stage. Jonah's disobedience impacted others. Whether we sin, uh, when, uh, when we sin, it doesn't only impact us, does it? It also impacts others. And a lot of other innocent people around us get, get hurt in the process as well. Jonah 1.4, it says, Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose, from the, arose that, that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the seas to lighten the ship. It, it happens. The sailors were, were simply innocent bystanders in all of this. Here is Jonah disobeying God. He's running from God and their lives are in danger. All the sailors, they're, they're so afraid that they start throwing the cargo overboard. They, they pray to their own pagan gods and they say, please help us. They were, they were paying for something they didn't even do. Uh, look at our culture today. What happens when we're disobedient in our culture? What, what happens because of immorality? Because of, of fraud or because of crime or because of abuse? abuse. Who pays? The American taxpayers pay, don't they? Look what happens in, uh, to a society or a family when a mom or a dad decide to have an affair outside the marriage. Who pays? Oftentimes, innocent children are hurt in the whole process. So, so while all this is going on, the ship is about to break up. They're scared to death. And notice what Jonah is doing. He's taking a nap because he's disobedient. He's got, he's, he's ha- he has a hardened heart at this point. Stage four. Jonah 1.5, it says, But Jonah has gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us and, and, he, and we will not perish. This obedience endangered everyone. This obedience hardened his heart. And, and, he, and he became indifferent to the lives of the others around him, to the sailors that were around him. When you and I run from God, the same thing happens to us. That's why today we so ask, ask, how, ask how, how in the world could a mom and a dad walk away from their family uh, with no emotion or, or care about it? Sometimes it's, it's because maybe because they're addicted to drugs or some kind of drug abuse and it hardens them so much that they will do anything for their habit. They'll, they'll literally walk away from their family. Or again, when there's immorality and and a couple will walk away from their kids. Or when there's alcoholism and it overwhelms them so much that our hearts become hardened and we leave our employer totally out to lunch, right? Sometimes our jobs are affected by our hardened hearts. And we don't, do, we don't go to work and we don't take care of our families because we're doing our own thing. Even in our disobedience, though, even when we run from God, God can still use us. The, kip, the, the, the ship captain here says, Jonah, what we tried hasn't worked. We've, we've tried to pray for, uh, to our gods, and we've tried to throw cargo overboard. Would you pray for your God to help us? And, and I believe that today, while there are so many people in this world that don't believe in God, uh, I also believe that most people do believe in prayer. And maybe you, have a, uh, you could relate to that. You have a family member or a friend that, yeah, they may not believe in God, but they certainly do believe in prayer. Statistics say almost 98% of people in this world believe in prayer. I, my question is, who are they praying to? I don't know. Uh, but the point is that some of your friends that don't believe in God, when they're going through struggles and they're going through a tough time in life, and, and they're running from God like Jonah, and you, and you can just ask them, hey, can I pray for you? You'll be amazed at how, how, how it can open a door for a conversation. Don't miss an opportunity when someone says to you, because they know that you're a follower of Christ, and they say to you, would you pray for me? Don't miss that opportunity. Jonah missed the opportunity. The ship captain said, would you pray for us? There's There's... And and, and and as you read the scriptures, there's no inclination or indication that he did it. Jonah's heart was so hardened because of his disobedience. When our hearts are hardened, we can't see God move because we've shut God out. And when we can't see God move, we, oppor- we miss opportunities to be used by God. Uh, there was an article in the New York Times a, a couple years ago when it reads like this. It said this, Bosses of a publishing firm are trying to find out why no one noticed that one of their employees had been sitting dead at his desk for five days before anyone asked him if he was feeling okay. George Turkelbaum, age 51, who had been employed as a proofreader for 30 years, had a heart attack in his open office plan that he shared with 23 other workers. He died Monday, but no one noticed until Saturday morning when an office cleaner asked him why he was working on the weekend. Isn't that crazy? You say, I I can't even imagine that would happen. An open office with, with 23 other employees gathered around this guy sitting dead at his desk from Monday to Saturday and no one checks on him? He's either a great worker or he just didn't communicate very well. I mean, the truth is, though, this is a a tragic story. This is terrible. And isn't it amazing, though, that we have people that that we work with, people that we live next door to, that they're hurting. They're they're dying spiritually. And if we're not careful, we'll never interact with them. And we'll we'll never be able to say, hey, what's going on? Because if we're not careful, our hearts will become so hardened. And and we'll be doing our own thing, and we'll be missing an opportunity to be used by God. So we find that Jonah gets called by God. And and Jonah disobeys, and he runs the other way. His decisions impact the other sailors. His heart gets hardened, and he's oblivious to God. And finally, God gets his attention, and we find find Jonah's confession in verse 7. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who was responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Now, casting lots is is a weird way for God to work, but God is God. He can do whatever he wants. I'm all right with that. Casting lots here could be spinning the bottle. It might be rolling dice. It could be like drawing straws. They used cast lots to figure out who would replace Judas after he killed himself when Matthias was chosen was chosen in the Bible the Bible said that Matthias was chosen by casting lots it was common back then it was a way to pick a person when they didn't know how to select so the sailors cast lots and the lots fell on Jonah and uh, in verse 8 the, the sailors asked him who's responsible for making all this trouble for us what did you do where where are you from what do, what are, what people are you in other words, this sounds like an FBI background check, right? They've got questions that they want answers to, and they've got lots of them, right? Verse 9, it says, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. Jonah had no place to go, right? He had, no, he had to come clean at this point. He had to come clean. He had to confess. They probably had an all-hands-on-deck meeting. Maybe you've been a part of one of these before. I know if you're in the military, it's a common saying, all hands on deck, we're going to meet. Maybe you've had them in your family, but it kind of had a different spin on it. Maybe, maybe you've had like maybe an, inter- an intervention type meeting with someone before. Maybe they're running from God, destroying their life. They have addicted habits. They're, they're ruining their lives and, and maybe it was affecting the whole family. And finally someone said, you know what? We have to practice tough love. We've got to have an intervention. We have to have a family meeting. And we say, we say, Wait a minute. And, and you hope the person will fess up. That's exactly what happens here. The sailors got together. They said, why, why are we having all these problems? What's going on? I, and I find it so interesting that Jonah comes clean. He says this, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the God of heaven who made the sea and the land. And isn't it crazy that he says, I worship the God who made the sea, but I'm still trying to run from God on a ship in the sea that God created. Maybe he wasn't the brightest <laughs> Bold in the pat I don't know. <laughs> so Jonah did what I think you and I often do. He acknowledged that God is in control of the heavens, the sea, the land, that God was in control of everything. He acknowledged that God is in control of the whole world, but not his own life. Can anyone relate to that? A couple of you, probably all of us. I can relate to that. Sometimes we, bait, say, we, we pray big prayers. We say, Lord, God, I know you're awesome. Uh, we sing songs up here on Sunday mornings and we say, God, you're mighty and you're mighty to save. And, and, and God, you can do anything. But then we're afraid to turn our finances over to him. Or we're afraid to turn our marriages over to him. Or, or maybe we're afraid to turn our careers or our health over to him. He's the God of everything, but, but we can't let God be a part of what we're doing. Today, many of us need to confess we, we've, we, we've tried to be in charge of our lives way too long. We've messed things up, and we've run from God, and we need to say, God, I'm the problem. It, and so many of us have a tough time saying that, right? Because we've been let, led to believe that we're not the problem. We say, my parents are the problem. My spouse is the problem, my friends are the problem, and many of us to say say you know what it's somebody else's problem. I'm not the problem. Let's face it. Sometimes our lives are so messed up, and it's because it's because we've run from God. We're the problem, and we're gonna and we're gonna reap what we, what we sow. So when Jonah confesses and he says, "Hey, I'm the problem," let's see how the sailors react. Verse ten it says, "His ter- he." His terrified them, and they asked, "What have you done?" They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, "What should we do to you to make the sea calm down?" Jonah says, "I'm the problem. Pick me, pick me up." He says, "Pick me up and throw me into the sea." Right? That's where he's saying, "I'm the problem." He replied, "And and it and it and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon upon you." Jonah assumed responsibilities for his actions. Verse thirteen says, "Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder, wilder than before." And I think their reaction is very similar to what Jonah went through. Notice that the sailors are terrified. They ask him, "What is it you did that is bad, right?" And and the sailors ask for his advice. Jonah says, "I'm the problem. Throw me overboard." And, 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 uh, and third, they say, well, let's, let's do our own thing. Uh, we're not going to throw you overboard. We're, we're not going to throw one of God's prophets overboard. We're not going to have that on our hands. But the storm got worse and worse because they tried to take matters into their own hands and, and they got into even a bigger mess too. Sounds like us, doesn't it? Sounds like me. God tells us what to do. Uh, he says, how, "How do I know?" You say, and you might say, "How do I know what God tells me when, when God tells me to do?" And I tell you, read the Bible. It's there. The reason why so many of us we we don't know what God is, we don't know what to do today, or we don't know what God's will is on for our, our will for our lives, is because we don't read the Bible. We don't sit down and read the Bible. We're reading everything else though. <clears throat> we, read, we read every po- uh, Facebook post known to man. We read every Twitter uh, every Twitter feed. Uh, we don't miss a post on Instagram. We're reading everything else in this world but the word of God. God's word will tell us what to do and, and we read his word and it tells us what to do and, and catch ourselves saying, I'm not sure I like what this Bible is telling me what to do. Uh, we, we read things like, we read things like, uh, you know, go tell your neighbors about Jesus, or, or go on a mission trip, or, or serve, in the, serve in the church, or, or, or honor your mother and father, and we read those things, and we don't like what it says, and, and what do we do? We go and ask our friends, because the Bible, we're not really sure what the Bible says, right? So we go and ask our friends, and sometimes our friends, they're going to reinforce the reinforce god's word and they say they say no you should do what the bible says and you're like i don't like that advice either but that's what happened that's that's what happened to our sailors who's the problem here jonah says it's me chuck me overboard they said no we think we'll take matters into our own hands and when they did things still got worse didn't they you and I do our own thing. We run from God. We take matters into our own hands, and the problem gets bigger and bigger and bigger until finally we cry out to the Lord. God, save me. God, help me. God, I'm in trouble. I think God sometimes wants to tell us, why don't you just trust me in the first place? When, when, I, when I told you the first time around to trust me. So just like Jonah confessed, now we see that the sailors confess. Verse 14, then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as, done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and they threw him overboard, and the raging seas grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. The sailors didn't want to be responsible for killing a prophet of God, right? Right? So when they threw him overboard and the seas calmed, they realized God was the real deal after all. And all of a sudden they had a holy fear of God. In our world today and in so many ways, we've lost that holy fear of God as a body of Christ. We no longer have a holy fear of God though. The sailors acted on their belief of God by offering a sacrifice. A sacrifice was a public expression of faith and worship. When you and I get baptized into Christ, it is a public display of worship and faith. When we bring our tithes and offerings every week in worship, it's a public display of our worship to God. I'm not sure where these sailors got their sacrifice because they threw everything overboard, but what little they had left, they said, God, you saved our lives. What we have, we want to offer to you. The scripture says that the sailors made a vow. A vow is a confession. It's an oath. It's an allegiance to say, God, you are still in charge. The great thing about this story is that we see that God can use our disobedience to bring others to faith. God can even use it even when we are running from him. He will use situations in our lives to bring others to him. Remember that Jonah is a prophet and Nineveh is a wicked city. You might say that this guy's a wimp, but he wasn't. He was one of God's top, uh, top prophets. What we see is that Jonah ran from God, but God says, no, Jonah, you're still a prophet. And you're still, and you're still supposed to call people to, to, to repentance. And even in his disobedience, a whole ship of sailors came to repentance. Now, I served in the, in the Coast Guard for, for 11 years. I know this must have been an incredible act of God. This is, I mean, I know what an environment of around, or being around sailors is. For God's Spirit to show up is, was absolutely incredible. So many people today don't believe in God, but funerals kind of have a way of bringing reality right between the eyes. It causes us sometimes when people are out doing their own thing and, and their life ends suddenly that, that all the people that are there, there's a chance to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ in our disobedience as we're doing our own thing. God can still use those situations to bring others to faith in him. Uh, last phase, we find God's call. Jonah says, I'm doing my own thing. It impacted others. It hardened. it hardened his heart. The sailors were impacted. They confessed. And what happens? God always provides. Verse 17. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. You say, Andy, I thought it was a whale that ate Jonah. <laughs> When I go to Sunday school, they always tell me it's a whale, right? The Bible says it was a fish. <laughs> Could it have been a whale? Yes, but the Bible is clear that it was a large fish. A little girl was, was talking to her teacher about whales, and the teacher says, I'm sorry, honey, but it's physically impossible for a whale to swallow a human because its throat is too small. She said, I don't believe, I don't be-, she said, I don't believe that because Jonah was swallowed by a whale. The teacher said, well, there's no proof that God even exists at all. The little girl says, I'm sorry. I I believe that because my Sunday school teacher told me, and when I go to heaven, I'm going to ask Jonah. (laughs) The teacher says, what if Jonah went to hell? The little girl says, well, then you can ask him yourself. (laughs) I asked Larry if I could tell a joke. He said it was okay. (laughs) Okay. So, so Jonah rebels. Jonah is disobedient. He runs from God, and God still provides a way for him to change his life. Don't we have an amazing God? We have a forgiving God. We have a loving God. We have a God who is full of grace. And, and we run from him, and we disobey him in his word, and, and, and we do our own thing, and he still hangs in there, and he loves us. Why do we run away from God? Why do we keep running away from God? You say, Andy, I don't run away from God. I haven't done anything like that. Yeah, I'm sorry. We all run from God. We all run from Him. How do we run from God? We do it We do when we, we procrastinate from doing what He's called us to do, from doing the right thing. We run from God when we don't use our God-given abilities to serve His kingdom. Uh, we run from God when we... When we, when we when we see a need like Nineveh or we say we need, uh, we see a need in our, in our own neighborhood and he says, I'm sorry, God, uh, let somebody else do it, right? We do that sometimes. We run from God uh, when, when you hold a part of your life from God's control, right? When you say, God, you're, you're over everything in this world, but I'm going to run my own business or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run my own marriage or I'm going to run my own finances. And why do we run from God? Why do we keep resisting God's plan in our lives? I think there are two reasons. First one is pride. Even so, God made us. We think we know more than God. We say, God, I know what's best for me, and I'm going to run my own life my own way. We've got to humbly go before God and listen for his call in our lives and do it. Jeremy Camp sings a song called Lay Down My Pride. He says, I lay down my pride, my desires, my demise. I'm ready now to see it your way. I'm done. I'm through ignoring you. Pride keeps us coming close to God. The second thing is fear. Fear is difficult because we're afraid afraid to do what God might ask us to do, right? God might ask us to go to a place like Nineveh. God might ask us to go across the office and talk with that Talk with those people who have been hurting. But we've avoided those people, right? God may call us to walk down the street to that new family that moved in earlier this summer, and they know no one in the neighborhood or the city. And, and he wants you to go and connect with them and share them the love of Jesus. God might ask us to work with, with middle school students or in the nursery, or at Trunk or Treat, or, or at the downtown rescue mission this year. Why don't we do that? Why are we afraid? I think, because, I think we're afraid to ask God to go before us, before we do things. I got to confess to you all today, uh, uh, earlier this year, me and John were, were asked to go and teach um, a class every other Thursday at Butler High School. And if you're unfamiliar with Butler High School, it's, it's an inner city school it's kind of like in the city of Huntsville. Um, and it's kind of one of those schools that's kind of been forgotten about. The teams don't win very often, and um, it's uh, definitely a lower-income school. Um, and and a, lot of the, the, a lot of the students there come from single-family homes, and it's just, it's just a rough place. We go there each week. I don't even know if they mow the lawn anymore. Like, the grass has just grown up, and it's, but it's almost it's just like it's been forgotten about. But I have to confess to you guys, before it, I was like, "Man, like, I don't know if I want to do this." Like, I was kind of afraid to do it. It was it was intimidating to me. Um, but I notice when I take the time to pray before I go, before I go in and teach, and I ask God to prepare my hearts and prepare the students' hearts, things seem to go well. But there are other things that I walk into, and and I don't always pray for them, and I try to be like a super super youth minister or something. And I don't take the time to pray. And, I think I, and a lot of times I think I can do things on my own. And I know when I, don't, when I don't pray and I don't take that time, things don't go as well. We've got to be willing to put our fears aside and say, God, I need your help. Would you go ahead of the situation and repair my heart and their heart and let God be God? God has a plan. He has a purpose. He has an agenda for every one of us here today. Because he wants us all to be successful and to reach our full potential. The problem is that, is that we get confused on what success is and we end up uh, living our lives according to everyone else's definition or standards of success. And that's going to mess up our lives too. Success for me is knowing God's will for my life and doing it. And I, and I hope it's the same for your life too. I get messed up when I try to complete everyone else's will for my life. And once I know God's will for my, for my life, it's pretty simple from there. Uh, it's pretty simple to stay on track. When everyone comes to me and says, Andy, I want you to do this and this, and I think this would be great for you, I can say, time out. That's not going to happen because I know what God's will is for, in my life because I've already, I've already gotten together with him. And, and I can say, wait a minute, I don't want to spend my life changing somebody else's standards of success. I want to do what you want me to do. So that when I face him, when I go to heaven uh, and I face him, he's going to say, good job, well done, my good and faithful servant. What's your definition of success? Don't let other people put their definition of success on you because you'll be chasing somebody else's dreams and somebody else's plans your, your whole life. And at the end of your life, you will say, I've been chasing after the wrong thing. Many of us here today have been running from God for years. We've been running from God for months. We've been running uh, from God. And you're going to pay a big price when you do that. You're going to pay a price in your health. You're going to pay a price in your family, in your marriages, in your work, in your finances. And you're going to test God's patience. What is it going to take for us, for God, to get our attention? I see so much potential in, in this church. This is a great church that God wants to use to impact the city of Huntsville. He wants to to impact the city for Jesus Christ, but we've got to make sure we're not running from God. We've got to make sure we're, we're, we're not so involved in doing our own thing, that we're not available to do what God wants us to do when he calls us to do it. Statistics say that over half of the people that don't that, that go to church today say that if somebody they knew invited them to church next weekend, they would go. That's incredible. Like, they're just waiting for you to ask. Like, God's already set this up for you. You say, Andy, I've invited my neighbors. And they said, take a hike. I want nothing to do with your church. Or you might be thinking, man, I've blown it. I've messed up my life. Listen very carefully. carefully. Just because you failed in the past does not relieve you of the responsibility of the present. God wants you to make a difference. God wants you to get up and try again because he's a God of second chances. He is the God of second chances. Jonah got a second chance. And he not only gave Jonah a second chance, he also gave Peter a second chance. He gave Moses a second chance. He gave David a second chance. He gave me a second chance, and he's given you a second chance too. Praise God, we serve a God who gives us another chance. I think that we I think that we think we have to be a superstar Christian sometimes. No, in fact, if 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 we I really believe if we get rid of most preachers, we'd have a lot better shot of it, right? We're we're often the times the ones that mess things up the most. God takes ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Never listen to the the devil's lies that you don't have what it takes to make a difference in this world, in this community for Jesus Christ. You're all he's got, and he's put all his hope of saving the world in the church of Jesus Christ. Let's stop testing God's patience. Stop running from God and playing God and trying to do our own thing. And then when we do it, and then when we do it, we say, I've I've have I've messed that up. Let's turn it over to God and say, God, I wanna follow your plan for my life. And then at the end of your life, you'll be successful. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, God, we are so thankful for, for being able to read things like Jonah. God, we read about Jonah and God we, we feel like sometimes we can't relate, but God, oh, we can relate so much. God, thank you that we can open your word and grow and learn from it. God, you are so awesome. God, we pray that, that we can hear and, and read and find your will for our lives. God, thank you for all that you do, and we love you. And I just pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.